Welcome to A Pair of Bookends, the book club you can carry anywhere. We are your hosts and hopefully your new bookish pals. I'm Hannah MacDonald. And I'm Lydia Clare. Welcome to another episode in our debut Spotlight series, where we shine a light on the freshest authors and their work. Today we shine our spotlight on The Villa, an electrifying summer read that will have you up all night. Set on a beautiful island, The Villa is a reality TV show like no other. The contestants have the chance to win it all, love, money, fame, but how far will they go to win the top prize? Ruth Kelly is an award-winning journalist and author. She has ghostwritten a string of Sunday Times top 10 bestsellers, including The Prison Doctor, which sold over 250,000 copies, and The Governor, which went straight in at number one on the Amazon charts. For her debut thriller, The Villa, Ruth draws inspiration from her years working as a reporter for national newspapers and her experience writing for TV shows. Most notably with Endemol, who were the creators of the original reality show Big Brother. Pam McMillan signed the villa after a three-way auction and it is out in paperback on the 22nd of June. Ruth Kelly, welcome to a pair of bookends. Boo! Hi! <laughs> that was a very cheerful hello. I like that. <laughs> Gets us off to a good start. So what we always like to ask our guests first is what are they currently reading, if anything? Yeah, I'm currently, well, I'm coming to the end of a book by Lucy Clark, current thriller called The Hike. It's really great. I'm gripped by the plot line. I really love the way that Lucy develops her characters before you get further into the plot. So you really feel like you know them. And then when the twists come, you can see why things are happening. So yeah, I, I'm I'm really into the hike and I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen. I've got a bit of an idea, but I but not completely. So, so I'm waiting. Ooh, that sounds great. And are you have you always been a big thriller reader? Yeah, I think I have. And I've really been into thrillers on TV, the both of them together combined. Um, I think so, yeah, for a very long time. So you just mentioned TV. I have been trying to get Lydia to do an adaptation series for the longest time. Are there any thriller adaptations that you've enjoyed on TV, any that you can think of? Oh, yes, there are. But oh, no, you can put me on the spot. (laughs) I'll put you on the spot. I'm sorry. I'm happy with that one because there's so much out there that I really love. What's that author called? He's done loads. Colin Coven. Yes. Yeah. He's done literally loads. Like there's always something new coming out from him, books wise, but also on Netflix. And he's got the the new one that's coming out. I can't think what the series is called. It's got Michelle Keegan in it. I'm gonna link that in the show notes because I have no idea <laughs> what it's called. What I like about them is that they're always um, a close community. Yeah. In one way or another. So yeah, holds in this whether it be an actual gated community mm. or whatever it is. And and so you know all the characters start to unravel within this. It's not a locked room, but it's a version of it in a way yeah yeah absolutely and I think I I love what you're talking about with Lucy Clark's book and stuff and it's like I really love being at that point in a book where you think I actually don't know what's gonna happen like I think that's such a special thing like it's really hard to achieve because it's especially if you read a lot of thrillers yeah a little bit like I know what will happen next (laughs) and to be truly surprised or to be truly like anticipating something it's so so exciting when you read a really good thriller I'm a really boring person where I have to work 
it out. I think yeah. I spend quite a lot of time plotting my books. So I think I, I make it my mission to try and work out a lot of other, particularly TV shows, and I often call it quite quickly. And then, oh, wow. And then I'm a bit, because I'm quite competitive, if I talk to someone about it and go, I think it's this person or whatever, then I'll, and then I might just check. I have this terrible habit. Oh, this is really bad, but <laughs> the endings. Oh. Well, before you, before you stop the ball. Yeah, sometimes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so rude. Just to like prove to myself that I got it right. <laughs> we need to unpack this, Ruth. I don't know how I feel about it. It's like saying a lot about me, isn't it? <laughs> Not to psychoanalyze you, but I wonder what. Why... <laughs> yeah. You remember when, oh gosh, it was years ago, but Broadchurch kind of took the nation by storm and like yeah. everyone was trying to figure out who who was the murderer and yeah. who could it be and stuff and it's it's a really underrated kind of medium like thriller I think mm. I think that people don't realize just how exciting it can be and how fun it can be and immersive it can be when you are fully invested in it you know and I do I remember that really well like literally everybody on the Sunday night was like don't tell me what happened <laughs> I was so late to broadcast. Broadcast. I was late to church. Yeah, I was late to it, but I thought it was amazing. I mean, like Olivia Coleman and it was Olivia Coleman and David Tennant once it. Yeah, well, yeah, dream team. Just I, if you put them on a show, of course it's going to be good. But no, it was like the twists. And I think I like I enjoy thrillers whenever I read them, but the anxiety induces. <laughs> I don't think I could be like a thriller reader like all the time. But... Oh, I've got a cure for your anxiety. Just go to the end. No, no. <laughs> Ruth's got it figured. She's got it figured. Go to the end. No, can't. I can't. See, it's weird because it's it's self-inflicted. Like I sort of enjoy it in a weird way. I'm like, I love that it's making me so anxious, and I love that it's keeping me guessing. And as I was just gonna say, like your book, the, the twists in your book and your book really kept me guessing and there was so many moments in the book and obviously we have to be so careful about giving out spoilers but there were so many moments in the book where I didn't know which way we were going to go what you can't trust any character and you didn't know what yeah what was going to happen with them and it just totally it's just such a gripping read and I really encourage our listeners to pick themselves up a copy immediately but on the subject of your book we like to start our debut spotlight episodes by asking what your experience has been like and I would love to know where the the root of this story came from you know where did the idea start and how did it come to be published hmm. oh, right I'll start with the idea I, I think it came from a mixture of things predominantly being a journalist as a journalist I, I always even when I'm writing and I'm doing my ghost books I keep one eye on the news and that's probably because I'm searching for my next ghost book because when I ghost books, I look for people in the news that I could approach to do story. And I first came up with this idea in 2019, where shows like Love Island, particularly Love Island, had been out for a bit, but there was there was a turn in in feeling towards them. There, there was, you know, it wasn't quite as popular as it was. Well, it was still popular, but bad things were happening on the show, some tragedies, and the audience were starting to change their opinion of the what was originally a really happy-go-lucky type vibe to it. And that, as a journalist, interested me. And coupled with, I've worked on reality TV, so I, I have an idea of what it's like, coupled with the idea that I just wanted to write a thriller. So I wanted to write a thriller. I wanted to write 
write something really entertaining, but I wanted to have a talking point as well. That was really important to me. I wanted people to get to the end of the book, the reader to get to the end of the book and, and sit there for a moment and, and question if it has a, a you know deeper meaning to it, which I was hoping to get across in it. I, I mean, I don't know if I did it successfully, but that's what my aim was. I mean, you definitely did. Are you a fan of of watching reality shows yourself or yeah. you are yeah. what, what <laughs> reality shows well I was really into Love Island I when you know at the start of Big Brother no. I think I like the start of these shows and then I don't like where they go which I think a lot of people could say the same for because at the end of the day things get tired out you, you people want something that's new which is a theme in my book about that constant appetite for wanting something new and exciting mm -hmm. it's one of those in the book but yeah I the intensity of my job particularly as ghostwriting I need something to switch off and whether that you know that might be Netflix but something about reality TV really numbs my brain yeah I feel that it was cheer you know some of these shows are really theme at the start particularly cheerful and they kind of they're funny and I like watching you know I think it's interesting watching how people react to things but I don't like I don't like it when it when it's dark or you know when things are, when they put people under in stressful situations which I don't enjoy that sort of watching I just like the fun stuff because I, I think as these shows develop they do start contestants in the show do start to get increasingly stressed out by the situations mm -hmm. and they and I don't, I think there are people who, you know, find that form of that entertaining, but I, I definitely don't actually, which is, which is partly the, one of the messages that I was trying to put across in the book. I think you captured that really well as well. I have watched Kardashians for years and it's like my guilty pleasure. Like I have always enjoyed watching it and it's just so that like them in their day-to-day -day life and you know I definitely see that as a form of entertainment but when you actually break that down it's such a strange thing that we're watching these people's lives as a form of entertainment and you know we're enjoying like the drama of it and anything that sort of goes wrong in their life you're sort of like soaking it up as entertainment and there's just something so like dark and unsettling about that and I, d I definitely think I see what you mean with Love Island in how it's sort of changed and evolved over the years you know certainly with you know previous contestants you know have died and you know Caroline Flatt and just the way these these tv shows you know the things that have affected people after they've come out and and the things that happen inside these shows and I, I really liked how you you did that with your book and how you know the producer and be constantly coming up with ideas on like how to make the contestants more uncomfortable and and then we were also seeing the viewers perspective and how they were really enjoying it and yeah there's just something so dark and unsettling so I think definitely Thriller was the perfect genre for this story yeah I just I really enjoyed how you how you managed to capture that I do I think that obviously the book being set in kind of a reality tv show format it was really like a fascinating premise it was just fantastic I was like oh my goodness this is going to be different and I think that the way that you delve into kind of that world of reality tv it's so fascinating I mean I remember back in the day when like Big Brother started and I mean this was a long time ago now but like they would have like a channel of them sleeping and you could watch them sleep and like, I used to watch that like just 12 people in, a, in bed sleeping and I used to watch it because I was like so obsessed with the show in those early years and it it really does kind of like get into your head in a different way than than a lot of television does why do you think that this setting of a reality tv show is so impactful in this way and so immersive to us i think it's the idea of surveillance it's like lab rats 
and so a certain number of people in a small enclosure and you can you can keep watch on them and and that idea with these cameras rolling throughout the night it gives a sense of power doesn't it because you you can watch them but they don't know that you're watching them i don't think it's a i don't think you actually consciously think that you're doing it when you're watching it but there must be some sort of thrill out of having that voyeurism i think that's the the secret behind reality TV. Yeah. Having that ability to look inside a world constantly and you don't have control, but you have some form of control because you can switch on your TV at midnight or one in the morning and check up on them and that's in your power. And that's what happens in my villa. I just give the audience even more control. That's what I really wanted to come across, that is taking this element of control and voyeurism and surveillance and then taking it to another level. How how would people react if they had that level of control over people inside a a reality TV show? And how would the contestants respond? How, How did you begin to layer that idea of like, how can I make this sort of progressively worse you know in in the sense of like the viewers and you know like you've you've sort of picked a a similar sort of concept to love island but it's like how can we heighten this even more Mm. and like you said with the with the viewers and how involved the viewers can be and how you know you're basically giving ownership of these people to the viewers yeah Um, how did how did you sort of layer that and put that together it was a tough thing to to establish because i had to make it extreme but i couldn't make it so extreme that it would wouldn't it wouldn't be taken down off air it was a fine line so one of the longest things I spent time over was establishing what these games would be and how far I could push them because if they were too extreme it was going to become a bit like the Hunger Games and then I'm looking at a futuristic style book which you know which wasn't me at all but if I did them really quite boring games or just standard games that wasn't going to grip the reader so I had to find a middle ground that you know was pretty unsavory but wasn't too ridiculous that you could probably think could happen if it was, you know, the show was pushed a little bit further. It's not it's not in the realms of impossibility that some of that stuff could happen. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what makes it all the more scary. <laughs> you know, that is really what makes it terrifying is because you don't have to take as much of a leap as you think you're going to have to take when you read this book. You think, oh, you know, well, really, would that happen? But that's not how you feel. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is happening. Like, and you just go with it because it is, it's not beyond the realms of possibility for it to have happened. And I think that's so well done because it just, it really gets you kind of so involved with the whole process. And at no point do you feel like you have to take a step back and go, oh, wow, how how are they getting away with this? It's just, you're just like, oh my gosh, this is happening now. (laughs) Have you listened to, it's called Unreal, it's a BBC podcast. But lots of people tell me about it, yeah. Yeah, it's Shirin Carley, I'm butchering the pronunciation of her name, and Pandora Sykes. And yeah, they they go through like all the reality shows that have existed and like what went wrong, what went right, what happened to contestants after the show, like what happened during the show. And they like interview like various people that, that were involved. And it's so fascinating. And there's just stuff that goes on that you just, like you just don't think about it because when you're a viewer, it's obviously very different for you because you've worked on these reality 
show. So I would love to, to talk to you more about that and, and what your experience was like working on these reality shows. I don't know how much you can reveal to us, but yeah, what was your experience like working on these shows and how did your experiences influence the way that you wrote the villa? So I've, I've just worked on one. It was quite a long time ago, but I worked on, so I worked in, on quite a few TV shows, but one reality TV show with Endemol. They made a show for BBC Three called Upstage and it featured two glass boxes. They were pretty small and they put them in Millennium Square in Bristol. And I think I remember this. It's <laughs> pretty old. And Scott Mills presented it and what would happen is it was the first time an, an online audience could vote for who would go into the glass boxes to compete with each other. And the the contestants would do a little uh, a little video of themselves. They'd post it on this website and then the online community would vote for them. Whoever got the most votes would go into this glass box that day and they would go head to head with the person who got the second highest amount of votes. And they would be in the box for six hours straight. And if whoever won could then roll on for another day, and I, yeah, it's a long time, I think it was four days in a row that you could be in this box. And I, you know, it was, I worked with the team who came down from Big Brother and they were certainly like a really fun bunch to work with. There was a lot of laughs. I, we were in a porter cabin on site and I was part of the writing team. And my job was to watch the two live streams from the boxes and switch headsets like every few seconds to hear what was going on. And I would have to write a story for the online community on this website to, to update them on what was going on in these boxes. And often it would have to be, you know, short, snappy, quite funny, picking out the key moments. And mostly nothing would happen in that 20 minutes. So it was it was up to me to find something to draw out of that, you know, that 20 minutes of, that would entertain the online community. So I was, I was part of this whole thing, this machine. And what did I, I found, I found that it attracted a lot of hopefuls, a lot of people that were hoping for a big break you know musicians actors they come with their material they think this is literally a, a platform to stand on in front of everyone that streamed live to to the nation and then often what would happen is that they run out of material after maybe in an hour or something and then they didn't really know what to do with the rest of the time and that's where the reality tv came in and that I think that was a, a lightning bolt moment for me watching that because I think someone once said they they just sort of sat down in the middle of this glass box and were sort of like, what we're going to do now? And you thought, well, reality TV bosses are just thinking, do something funny that makes really good reality TV. Better than listening to your music. And, and I thought that's, that's really clever. That's actually ingenious in terms of the whole mechanism behind it. I mean, I can't say for sure that's what they were doing, but it seemed that's where the entertainment really came into its own because when people get frustrated or they feel trapped in a place or they don't know what to do or, you know, how, how they're going to win, how they, especially if the act next to them has, has got a few hours more in them, they're going to start thinking, what am I going to do that's going to make myself entertaining to win for the next day? So maybe I should do something like this. And yeah, it's, it's fascinating looking into psychology. And how it's not about pressing buttons because this is, you know, this is a machine, how to make good TV is show business, but it's definitely something I noticed and probably has come, has come across in the book somehow. All these little things that you experience in life add to enrich the quality of your writing or, you know, you can weave it in some way. So am I right in thinking that on this reality show, they were isolated in these boxes? It was just a, a single person on their own. Or it could be a group if they were in a band. Whoever got right. voted in, there was a whole mixture of people from bands to pole dancers to 
like all sorts. Someone who made made things out of MDF. Uh, he cut them up. Honestly, it was just bizarre. Like it was like everyone with that. <laughs> and obviously, the ones that would get voted in to be in this under the magnifying glass with the more extreme ones there was i think the pole dancers got to the semi-finals i'm pretty sure they got high up and then and then you could walk past them in in bristol um in, in millennium square you could actually see them as well and they like it's like a goldfish bowl it'd be lit up and right into the night and they'd be performing i mean it's just crazy i think uh, such an interesting concept and i think that kind of concept of being sort of a voyeur of of what's going on and, and being kind of the onlookers of what occurs to people is really interesting and you do that so well with this book of kind of like letting us be the people that are the reader really being the person on the outside kind of looking in and experiencing it as you would experience watching something and it's such a such a fascinating way of approaching the whole concept what did you want the readers to experience by being kind of these outside onlookers and and looking at the novel that way I thought well firstly I thought it to develop the storyline it needed it needed different points of view that's why I had the viewers the producer and the journalist going undercover and I wanted to show all the different angles. I think someone dies in the show. That's that's no spoiler because you just have to read the the first the prologue to know that. But I there's part of it that I wanted the readers to stop at the end and think who really is culpable of this. You know, is it mm. is it the people? Is it the audience for tuning in and egging on? Is it the producers of shows that press people's pressure points to get good TV and select certain people for TV? Or is it the people wanting to go in? I mean, nobody's forcing anyone to go into these shows. And so that's a subplot from the main plot. I hope I'm, you know, I'm not giving anything away there, but that is the talking point that I wanted from the book to stop and question it and think, yeah, who is who? Who is really culpable on sh- shows like this when things go wrong? Because everyone has a role in some way. And the viewer section, which I wanted to be a bit like Gogglebox. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, if things go wrong, all you need to do is switch off your TV or, you know, close your laptop and you can just walk away without any girls or, you know, because that's the whole point of it. You don't, you know, you can be in- involved as you like. You could be pressing buttons to get votes in and then you can just think, well, I don't care. And then close your laptop down and, and that's it. What does reality TV say about us as people? As a Oh, gosh. One thing that I really want to talk about that I thought you explored really well in the novel is mental health. And obviously, reality TV and mental health has been such a, a huge topic of conversation over the last few years. As we were saying before, you know, the various things that have happened specifically on shows like Love Island and, you know, the way that you explored it in the villa and and how mental health and mental illness manifests for the characters and how it influences the choices that they make and and how it impacts their their well-being as as they go along and and you know ultimately their success as a contestant i guess in a book set on a reality show why did it feel important to you to explore this topic well because i think it's the topic 
I think it's 100% the topic of reality TV. The, often the people that are selected are the people that make great TV are often the most vulnerable people. And that can come across in the show or come across in the aftermath of shows when they, you know, they're really popular. They have this huge quick rise to fame and then this terrible fall afterwards and how coping afterwards is just as bad as what might go on in the show. I just thought it was really important to, you, I couldn't write a book like this without bringing it in it. We it was probably central to what I was feeling through the entire writing process. And every character in this book is a victim in somehow, I think. Yeah, it's, it's interesting as well to see like what we've learned over the years about reality shows in terms of, of that topic. You know, I have referenced like Love Island and the things that have happened there, but going as far back as Big Brother and, you know, like Nikki Graham and who was her boyfriend on that show? Pete. Yeah, I can't remember his second name, but it was no. Pete, yeah. And, you know, uh, the thing with Big Brother is the difference from Big Brother and Love Island is like Love Island, they, they get a lot of influencers and people who kind of already have a, a sort of platform, but on Big Brother, it was these ordinary people who were being sort of propelled into the spotlight and they were isolated in this scenario and then they come out and they've just sort of got this whole new life ahead of them and they've got fame and all the the sort of things that that brings to them and like you said there's sometimes they, they might sustain that fame but also that there might be that fall and we saw that with Jade Goody you know what what happened to her and it's just it is as I said before like very like dark and unsettling and I think you did really well exploring that topic and you know what happens to these contestants and I was also curious about like the choice because a lot of reality shows it's a fairly long period of time so where did the choice come from for seven days in the villa? That was probably things were going wrong in the plot. That's the mean. I think I do remember the timeline being something I played with for quite a lot of the planning process. It must have been longer. Maybe it was three weeks at the start. Mm. But I think one of I think one thing about being a writer, well, I find that is is playing to your strength. So through through ghostwriting, I read my reviews and I've had feedback for years and I know that my style is pacey like it's not just this book it just is a, a quick pacey style so I knew that if I shorten the time length in the villa I ratchet up the pace and I make it more suspenseful I think that would have been one of the, the main things that I would have thought about and I think it really works otherwise it goes just a bit slower absolutely I think it brings me on to my next question because it is all about pace and about how because this novel, it goes like the clappers. Seriously. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is just happening. It's all happening. And it's a lengthy book. It's, you know, it's not a short book, but you feel, you know, people say page turner, it makes me want to heave. But it is, it's like you, you are in hell along this kind of like this train with it and you're like oh my goodness and I, I read somewhere about you wanting it to mirror the kind of narratives of reality television where it is literally next day new thing next day new thing you know if you do this in the morning and then we're going to change it so that in the afternoon you're going to do this so we can have more kind of content and the narrative doesn't mirror that in this kind of like paciness of it is this something I mean you're saying that it's a natural strength of yours is this something that you you kind of do and then you go oh you know I've read a really pacey pacey novel or is it something where you're like I need more pace here or I need, this needs to speed up or oh, how conscious is that as a writer I think I write in a pacey style I don't know how that I adapted that it's always been that way i'm trying to i'm trying to think now how that might have happened but, but i definitely use my ability to do that 
to complement the the style of the book, I wanted it to be a rug pull at every at every chapter. So you just you couldn't go to bed. You would stay up and want to know what happened next. That was, it was totally my intention. And I think that's what happens in reality TV. You can't switch it off because you become really obsessed with what's going on and who's going to walk in the villa now and who's going to do what and who's going to break up with who and ah, just if I stay watching it for a few more minutes and that's that's exactly what I want to do I, I maybe when I I guess when I write books for other people you don't often have that much that many words I mean if you interview someone you do get a story but a lot of it is down to you to fill the contents and make the chapters flow from one to the next and perhaps I adapted a style then to to make these books these autobiographies quite pacey so you you wouldn't get bogged down in when when someone tells them their life story there are some parts of it that are fascinating but there's also parts that aren't and so it's your skill as a ghostwriter to to put them together in a succinct way that's gonna you know that you don't realize that you skipped over five years or you jumped over this and and that maybe that's where my paciness came from I have no idea or maybe I just I like drink too much coffee <laughs> I don't know I said on a I said on another podcast that I live off like Haribo sour sweets and coffee and it's actually completely true <laughs> I feel like that that's where the pace goes bad then we bad then yeah I think you're going to be responsible for a heck of a lot of sleepless nights because you just cannot stop you cannot honestly as soon as you open this book you're glued you really yeah. are yeah I don't know why but it's very nice to hear but I mean it definitely gives that same feeling that you were saying with with reality tv and that like you can't kind of look away like you feel like you you need to keep watching and that's exactly how i felt with the book like you just got the vibe totally like spot on that's the only one i can think to describe yeah yeah and it, it, the one more chapter right yeah which is, yeah one more just one more and then you get to the, you're like oh no one more <laughs> <laughs> and two hours later you're like where's my day gone <laughs> yeah literally now there's a character that i really want to zone in on and chat to you about and that is the producer oh okay and i was you you sounded shocked that i said that (laughs) (laughs) because i was really intrigued by this character and you know there are you know reveals about this character and there are i don't know if i can actually say that but this character's story is just such a roller coaster and I, I just want to hear more about how you created this character. And obviously you used the, the multiple point of view in your book and her version of events were actually a lot different to, to the truth of the situation. And, you know, I wanted to know what, what was the inspiration for her character? And and did you know from the start that, that you wanted to, to toy with the reader's perception of her character? She was definitely the first character that came to mind and by far the easiest one to write so I, I had very few changes on it i don't know why i think she has a really strong voice did i i i wanted as i mentioned earlier i think all without going too much away i think all the characters in the book are manipulated in some way or another and it was just her included by other parties and I wanted to really make that come across but it had to be different it's it's a different sort of manipulation to some of the other characters I I liked the idea that she was coming she was coming from nothing that idea of to get to the top and doing anything to get to the top in TV and being almost obsessive about it to the point that you will let that obsession overtake morality. And that that was the main point of her, really. And then everything came from there. I, I don't know. I think I did want, yeah, the audience to, to change their opinion. As with a lot of the other contestants, I think you'll 
opinion might change with them a little bit once you find out the whys. I would be interested to hear from other readers, you know, their perception of the of the men in the book, especially like the male contestants. And I did wonder when I was reading some of those, if they were like, you know, you'd watched a, a male on Love Island and gone, yeah, that's my character. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> There was, you know, Cameron, not a fan of, of Cameron. Not, I'm not going to lie, not a fan of, of him. Can't I, give too much away, I have too much away. I'm just saying I'm not a fan of him. You know, that could mean that could mean a million different things, you know? Well, I think in, to, in terms of men, I, I think the, when you were going back to mental health, the role, yeah. role of having a therapist on site was absolutely, that was one of the first characters I created because that's what they, these reality TV shows saying they have now you know we have all this on-site support and then we had this aftercare program mm. so I had to have a therapist on there to make this you know a genuine reality tv show and ex- I love the idea of exploring what role does this mystery therapist that we always hear about really take where who, who are they and what do they say to these contestants yeah, yeah. I'd really like to know and and how much is the contestants well-being actually like the forefront of Mm. of that person's concerns you know it's funny because obviously in big brother they would go to speak to big brother and that was like their form of therapy but that was all for like again for our entertainment you know like how many people have used it is nikki graham isn't it yeah 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 how many times have, have people used that clip as like something to laugh at when she's like kicking off in the what's the room called the diary room diary room oh my gosh hannah i told you my memory's appalling but her meltdowns in the diary room and you know that happened with a lot of contestants on my brother their their meltdowns were like comedic value for for the viewers so yeah i was really interested in in your use of having a therapist but the the viewers in the viewers can't see the therapist in your book can they so no. yeah it would have been interesting you were watching it's the reality show with you <laughs> yeah i am nosy i'm very nosy yeah that is a problem yeah just know everything yeah. about everything <laughs> so finally i just wanted to to ask you know on on the face of it this book is you know you can enjoy this book as like a fantastic thriller you know it's a brilliant beach read it's a fantastic holiday read i mean you could sit on a plane and finish it because it is so so good but it also on a deeper level it does it holds a mirror up to our society it makes us reflect on our decisions our morals on you know our decisions to watch things or not watch things and it does so in a really brilliant and you know enjoyable way what would you like the reader to take away from their experience of the villa oh no i'm probably going to sound a bit repetitive now but i i think i wanted them to yeah to walk away and think when when shows when things on shows don't don't go according to plan who is really culpable is it is it people that is it the people taking part for wanting fame so desperately they'll do anything is it the producers for pushing them and pressing their pressure points or is it me as the viewer is it me who watches i watch love island is it is it me am i to blame as well because i'm feeding into this huge entertainment industry if i didn't watch if there's nobody watching these shows they wouldn't exist so, or, or you know, there's this voting, this online voting. That's just an encouragement for it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and I'm absolutely fascinated to hear what everyone thinks. Yeah. I'm like so excited to have conversations about this book because it's it. I feel like they're going to be really great conversations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope 
So that's what I was saying. I wanted it to be a conversation starter. That was my, it was always my aim. I wanted to be more than a thriller. So I hope, yeah, you have to let me know what people say. Yeah, yeah me. absolutely. I've already been thinking like one of my best friends will love this. I know that my, my stepmom, who's a, a huge thriller reader, as, as soon as I got hold of it, I was like sending her a picture and I was like, you're going to love this. So yeah, I think it is going to be a great conversation starter. I, in fact, I know it is. But my final question, at the end of the book, there is a hint of the arrival of a new reality show. And I was curious, is this a hint of a future book? (laughs) You can have a word, my editor. You can can encourage it. Have you won't love? Yeah. I was like, oh, are we are we getting a series? There's There's also a character called Mr. King in the book who I think has potential to be an investor in more than one reality show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would I would definitely love to explore a sequel if people were after that, if it did well. And, and there were, you know, I think there's loads of potential to develop it in, you know, a similar show that takes it to another level. At the end of the day, the whole point of me including that chapter was to try and say, even when terrible things happen, the show goes on, there'll be another show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there was another show. Because yeah. people forget. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. We always like to end on some recommendations. So they might be some recommendations of books you've read recently that you really like, a TV show you've watched, or like your favourite song at the moment. Just anything that we can pick your brains about. I have been, you know, really late to the party, like so many. Um, but I have been reading Verity. And I love it because it's about ghostwriter. So by Colleen Hoover, obviously, I don't, there's probably nobody on this earth who hasn't read it yet. I have not read it, and neither have okay. it. It's sat on my shelf, but I've not read it yet. So. Okay, well, well, I think I really am impressed, actually. I love it because it's my style. It's really pacey, and I love the ghostwriting element. Instead of it being someone doing a, a non-fiction book, they're coming to step into the shoes and pick up where an author has left off and write in her voice and write her books for her. So there was a lot about this book that I thought okay you know I could I could see similarities of the job that it involved and then as I thought the dual narrative was very clever and just the pace of it was actually really good they were really good rug pulls I was I think you know the hype the hype was worth it I thought it was really brilliant also I picked this up and I, I have finished it not that long ago and the Paris apartment I, oh, I love wow. I, love, yeah. I love all of Lucy Brody's books I love the I don't locked room thrillers but there's something special about her book that pushes it a bit beyond the locked room i don't know what it is but yeah well these i think she really she makes her voices sound different as something that i'm really hoping to develop in my writing doing different voices and making them sound different it's it's one of the most challenging things that you can do because i don't know i don't know how you do it really i mean if you're looking at five voices in a book, they're going to sort of sound the same. I think it's an exercise in spending a long time working out who your characters are and what traits they have to make them distinctive. And the voices and quirks in the voice and what they do. And yeah, so hat off to anyone who pulls off five voices or six voices in a book. But you do pull off multiple perspectives. Like you've done that in your book. in the same way I think well, I've, I've got I, I would say I've got two really I didn't I think the view I don't see the viewers as really counting because it's just sort of a little snippet but yeah no, I did I I just sorry yeah. I disagree yeah I would, dis- 
what you were saying before about like wanting to sort of recreate that whole like goggle box thing oh i thought it was perfect because i could totally see these types of characters that the kinds of people that they were like i could see you know them sat in their living rooms and yeah you just did it so well like Okay, okay. Conversations and their dynamics and the, the way that they are and like that is the way that people interact when they're watching TV and when they're watching these kinds of shows. Yeah. I thought it was great. No, you you totally pulled it off. So we not we don't accept that. We're not accepted. Okay, I'm going to do a locked room thriller then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see it. <laughs> Ruth Kelly, thank you so much for joining us on Power of Bookends today. Before we let you go, is there anything in the pipeline that you're able to tell us about? I can tell you about, I, I can't really talk about book two at the moment. Just like book two is coming out. But there is a book two, so. There is a book two and it's coming out in November yep. this year, which is mad. But I better not say too much about that. But I can talk about, I'm actually working on book three. Uh, it's all pretty crazy. And I did a research trip for it recently. So I'm, I'm one of the things that I love doing most is describing locations. I really like to make, whether it be the island or wherever I am, a really evocative setting and almost like a character in itself in the book. So I knew, I knew where I wanted to set this book, but I hadn't been to um, the Alps for a really long time like 10, maybe 10 years. And I, I just, I knew I could watch YouTube videos on it, but but I thought I just had to experience it for myself because I needed, I needed to go up to a high location in the Alps. It wasn't just in the Alps. And so I ended up doing this research trip not that long ago to this famous revolving restaurant that was used in a James Bond film. This 3,000 meters above sea level in Switzerland. And I went up this cable car. It was absolutely terrifying. But the experience was phenomenal and I think it, it made me decide that where I'm putting this thriller is going to happen 3,000 metres above sea level in a similar location in the Swiss Alps without giving it away. And it's going to be it's going to be a thriller, but that also has talking points as well, similar to the villa in that way. I am very excited. <laughs> it really does. Can we also ask, where can our listeners find you on social media? Oh, right. They can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Ruthie Writer. I really not think. I used to have a friend that called me Ruthie Writer. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Um, but it's Ruthie, R-U-T-H-Y, Writer after it. And then you can find me on both Instagram and Twitter. I'm probably more an Instagrammer because I'm really into visual stuff. So I'm always posting pictures and that kind of thing. Do do the tweets. Or the tweet. Every now and again, something vaguely meaningful, but more more on Instagram. The Villa is out on the 22nd of June in paperback. And yeah, it's coming out really soon. How are you feeling about it? Are you excited? Yeah, I'm really excited. I, I've had a phenomenal um, response to it already. It was Apple picked it as Audio Book of the Week and it's now Book of the Month with them, which was just like mind-blowing. I was so shocked by that. And I've had, there seems to be a bit of a buzz around it. There's been lots of posts about it. And, and so I am, I'm hoping, I mean, the, the front cover is, is really pretty. So yeah, I hope well, that when, it, when people see it in a supermarket, because it's got a place in most supermarkets, they'll just might pop into their shopping trolley when they're going around oh 100 percent. so ruth i wish you all the luck in the world with the paperback publication of your book i know it's going to be so well received and listeners please go grab yourselves a copy i'm going to pop a link in the show notes and if you enjoyed this episode 
please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe um, as it helps us to reach other listeners. You can also follow us at Perifulkens Pod on Instagram and at Perifulkens on Twitter and TikTok. Go buy yourselves a copy of the villa. Go give Ruth a follow and show us some love. And that is all we've got time for. So Ruth, thank you so much once again for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>